Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Wow, good crowd. Nice to see everybody in your lovely faces. Um, half of you are smiling, so we'll maybe we'll, by the end of service, we'll get all of you smiling. Um, Stephen's yawning. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, maybe we'll wake him up this service. Um, but we had such a great first service, and I'm, I'm looking forward, you know, doing two services. I'm thinking to myself in the back, wow, hopefully I do at least as good as I did in the first service. So, um, but I'm believing that uh, I'll do just as good, if not better, um, because the Lord is with me and he is here in this place. Amen. Um, I want to take you today to a famous Sunday school Bible story. Um, we are going to Bible school, excuse me, Sunday school this morning. Um, I'm sure Miss Sarah would appreciate me teaching this um, story because I'm sure she's teached it quite a many time in children's church. So um, before we get started, let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you, Lord, for the amazing first service we had. And Father, I just ask that uh, you continue to anoint me with words to speak to this service, Father God, for the people in here. Help the people in this service and watching online to be receptive, to be open, to honor the word being brought forth. And Lord, I declare and decree as we do the things that are spoken today, our lives will change for the better. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. All right, in your Bibles, in your iPads, whatever you got going on, 1 Samuel 17, we are going to read about David and Goliath today. David and Goliath. So um, looking forward to it. We're going to start in verse 4. So 1 Samuel 17, and I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. 1 Samuel 17, verse 4. It says, Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. Not a small person by any means. A lot larger than, well, anybody in here. Um, The NLT version says over nine feet tall. Um, The King James version says six cubits in a span. So a cubit is pretty much a, uh, from the top of your fingertips to the bottom of your elbow is a cubit. So depending on who was cubiting at the time, um, six cubits could be from nine feet all the way to 13 feet tall. Um, so big boy, um, like I said, if I was going to fight him, I'd probably take out the knees first, um, go from there, see how that worked out. Um, let's continue reading. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail. I don't know what a bronze coat of mail is, but apparently it's a lot of mail. Um, weighed 125 pounds. That was a dumb dad joke. I'm so sorry. Um, he also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. So just the spearhead itself weighed 15 pounds. And his armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield joked earlier that I feel sorry for the armor bearer who had to carry the shield because it was probably as big as him. So, And then if he stumbled, he probably was just going to get wrecked by Goliath and the next armor bearer would come in and take his spot. 
But as I, I was reading this, um, I was thinking about, you know, giants that I have faced in my past. And maybe as you read this, you, I want you to think about maybe giants you have faced in your past. Giants, you know, maybe from last year or could be as recent as, you know, this week. You know, believe it or not, giants will always come up to try to stop us. I wish I could tell you we could live a giant-free life, but that ain't going to happen because Satan hates us, right? Because he hates God. And he can't touch God, obviously, because he's nowhere close in power to him. But the way he hurts God is by trying to hurt his kids. Um, so I was thinking about giants that I have faced. Um, you know, I've shared my testimony many times up here, but um, one of the biggest giants I've faced is dealing with demonic, godless thoughts, um, not being able to control the thoughts in my brain. Um, you know, I'm not going to go into it, but that was a giant that I faced. Another giant I faced was nervousness and anxiety. Um, you know, if you've ever had a if you've ever been through anxiety, you know what I'm talking about, and it's not fun, right? It's a terrible enemy. Um, so that's a giant that I have had to face and overcome. But I'm thinking about other giants that, you know, you, you all probably have, you know, experienced. How about a mountain of debt, right? Um, I'm sure either now or in your past, you statistically speaking, you've probably encountered a mountain of debt at some point in your life. Um, what about another one? Sickness. Everybody has probably encountered sickness, right? Um, depression. These are all examples of giants that we face. What about grief, right? When we lose somebody that we love very much, that can be a giant that we have to face. Um, what, what, what about uh, more slyer giants? And I joked earlier, I don't know if uh, that's a word, slyer, but I'm going to roll with it. And um, Webster, um, you can get that from me. I'll give you the definition. <laughs> later. Um, slyer giants like pride, right? Um, slyer giants like dishonor. Slyer giants like walking, not walking in love. Um, those are giants that maybe not, may seem as big because they're heart issues, but they are giants that will absolutely wreck your life if you don't face them, right? So the title of my message is the giant slaying playbook. We're going to learn today in Sunday school how to slay some giants. Amen? And the first step is to identify your enemy. I like this description that they gave of Goliath. It's very descriptive. They're, what, what are they doing? They're identifying the enemy. So you need to identify what the giant is that you're facing. If you can't identify it, how can you fight against it? because you don't know what you're fighting against, right? If you're trying to fight something in the dark, in a dark room, you're probably gonna lose because you can't see it, right? So the Bible says we are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So the first step is identifying what we are fighting against. Second Corinthians 2.11 says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Ignorance will keep you defeated from your giants. Ignorance, not knowing, not knowing what the device is, not knowing what the giant is. And that's why um, giants like pride, dishonor, and walk, not walking in love can wreck your life just as bad as those other things because sometimes those giants takes you a while to identify, right? 
obviously, who's going to want to admit that they're prideful? <laughs> you know, who's going who's to want to admit that they're not walking in love? Who's going to want to admit that they're not um, forgiving somebody, right? But the first step is identifying it. Amen? All right, let's continue. Um, let's go to verse 26. It said, then David asked the soldier standing nearby, and we're still in 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine, ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? I love David. That's why the second step to slaying giants is get an attitude toward your giant got to get an attitude toward him. You got an attitude towards you. Why don't you give the attitude right back? I know some of you women in here can give attitude. Come on now. Come on. That's a gift from God. You got to use it towards the right. Not your spouse. Praise Lord, Rachel. You got to use it towards the right thing. We got to get an attitude towards our giants, right? The things that are trying to stop us, the things that are trying to stop the calling of God on our lives. We got to say no not today, Satan. Come on now. Woo! I'm getting sassy up here. It's the spirit of David coming upon me now. <laughs> you can tell David is different than everyone else. Why, why was he? Um, you don't have to turn there, but in 1 Samuel 16, 13, it reads, so as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel, now was the prophet at the time, took a flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. So that's 1 Samuel 16, 13 for you taking notes. So why was his attitude different? It says right there. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day forward. The spirit of the Lord was upon David. You know the spirit of the Lord is inside of you if you're born again, if you're a Christian. It's not just some prayer that you pray. That's, it's the renewing of your spirit so that way God's spirit can live inside of you. The Bible says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. That's good, right? That means you have God because he's not, he's not just third in line of the Godhead. He is God. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not third on the list. No, he's equal to Jesus and the Father. You have God living on the inside of you. Amen? You gotta get an attitude about that. You gotta be like, no, 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 no. Greater is he who's in me than he who is in the world. Greater is the God in me than the little God that's in the world. Satan's not bigger than your God. Amen? All right, so what, what, does, uh, what does anointing mean? Anointing simply means a divine empowering for a task or for an office. Did you know you're anointed to live the life you're supposed to live? You're anointed to fulfill the calling God has on your life. But what if it seems too big? What if, what if it's too out there? What if God's told you something, you're like, ah, I don't know about that. Well, if he asked you to do it and told you to do it, then he's equipped you to do it. Amen? So David fought Goliath with an anointing he didn't have before. He was anointed king of Israel. That's what it was. Did you know you have a kingly anointing as well? The Bible says we are kings and priests. He's made us that way. You know, Jesus is Lord of lords. Well, who, who are the other lords? You 
are the other lords. He's king of kings. He is the king of kings. Amen? Maybe I just blew your mind a little bit, but that's who you are. That's what the Bible says. I just quoted the Bible. I didn't make that up. You're a little L Lord. You are a little K king in the kingdom of God. Amen? That's who you are. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 31, 1 Samuel 17, verse 31. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. And David said, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. Saul replied, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. No way. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. Check this out. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, I just grapple that thing by the jaw and just club it to death. Yeah, anybody can do that. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Woo! That's an attitude right there. He's getting sassy again. The Lord will rescue me from the claws of the lion and the bear and will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. (laughs) That's how I imagine him saying it. But you notice he's the one who killed the lion and the bear, but who did he give the credit to? He said, the Lord rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear and will rescue me from this Philistine. See, it's important who we give honor to, right? It's important who we give the credit to. You know, people will clap for you or people will say, good job, but really what they're saying good job to and clapping for is the gift God gave you. (laughs) We're nothing without the gifts God gave us and he's the one who gave it to us. So really, we're nothing without God. Amen? Even people who don't believe in him, their gifts came from God. Amen? So number three in our giant slaying playbook is remember who your God is. Remember who your God is. It's so important that you remember who your God is because the giant, when it's facing you, is going to seem really big, really scary, really intimidating. And if you focus more on how big, how scary, how demeaning the giant is, you're going to forget how faithful, how loving, how strong, how graceful your God is. You have to remember who your God is. Remember what he's done for you in the past, right? Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what he did for you yesterday, he'll do for you today. And what he does for you today, he'll do for you tomorrow. What he does for David, he'll do for you. For anybody in the Bible, he'll do for you because he's the same. He doesn't change. See, that's the thing about God is he doesn't change, but how we view him changes because we learn more and more about him as life goes on, right? I'm going to know more, hopefully, if we're growing in God, we're going to know more about God 10 years from now than we do right now, right? Um, Jesse Duplantis was giving a, um, a testimony, and 
you can pray about it, believe it if you want, but I, I believe Jesse Duplantis went to heaven. It's called Close Encounters of the God Kind, and he was talking about the the throne room. And when I ra- when this point got brought up in my spirit from the Lord, remember who your God is, um, I was taken back to that testimony uh, by Jesse Duplantis as he was describing the throne room, how big it is, how massive it is, how, um, how bright the Father is. He couldn't even look at him. Um, and how angels are going around the throne room and they're singing all the time. And uh, um, he said that every time the angels go around, they sing, you know, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And he, he says the reason they sing that is because every time they go around, they see a different facet of God than they, that they've never seen before. And they've been doing this for a long time, <laughs> millions of years, billions of years, I don't know, but that's how big God is, is that we'll never be able to exhaust um, our knowledge of who he is. When we go into heaven, million years from now, we're still, like Keith Moore says, we're going to be saying, wow, God, that's you? Wow. You can do that? Wow. You said What? He's like, all right, you still got to go to Sunday school. Go, go over there and, and learn about it. But that's how big God is. So every time a giant faces you, tries to face off with you, just think about heaven. Think about how big God is. Think about how vast the universe is. And that was easy for him. Giant, no big deal, right? All right, we need to keep rolling here. Let's go to 1 Samuel. Oh, we're already in 1 Samuel. Let's keep going to verse 38. It's 1 Samuel 17, 38. It says, then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a, well, there you go, another coat of mail. And David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things. I imagine it was probably pretty heavy for a teenage boy, because um, this was a man's armor. Um, so he's like, I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. See, it's so important to fight the giant with what you know. And that's why it's so important to get into the word. Because the more of the word you know, the more you can apply it and speak it into your life. If you don't get in the word, well, if you're going with what you know, you're not going to know much, right? Um, So David took them off again. So instead, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed with only his shepherd's staff in a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. You know, I was thinking about what, uh, what the others thought about this. <laughs> I'm sure David's brothers were really embarrassed by this. Um, there goes our little brother. Now we're going to have to tell dad that a giant mutilated him because he uh, decided to go face him with a shepherd's staff and sling. This is probably not going to go over really well at the house. I'm sure the Israelite army was thinking, well, I guess today's the day we become slaves because that was the agreement when Goliath came out. He said, send somebody out. If he beats me, we'll be your slaves. But if I beat him, you guys will be our slaves. So they're probably thinking, well, this is the day my life ends. I'm going to be a slave to the Philistines. Um, So imagine what the people thought. Probably, Probably not good things, but David still went out anyway. Um, you know, people are not always going to think of think the best things of you when you're fulfilling the call of God on your life. It's so important that we fulfill 
the call of God on our life and not care what other people think. I know it's easier said than done, but we can't let people deter us from what God has called us to do. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, so I'm going to take a little side journey here. I wasn't able to take it in the first service, but I, I was wondering, why five stones? Why five? Now, my logical mind says, well, in case he missed, duh. I'm gonna, I would have taken like 15, you know? And uh, that's probably why I would have took five. But um, I was learning about this. I was listening to somebody preach along these lines, and it was so good. So obviously, it, it wasn't because in case he missed. It's actually foreshadowing five smooth stones. Um, it's foreshadowing that, well, I'll get to it. So pretty much, how did giants come into existence? I'm not going to get into all of it, but Genesis 6 says that fallen angels came down. Um, the Bible doesn't give us too much description upon it, but pretty much they came down and they got daughters of men pregnant and giants were born. Um, this was, I believe, Satan's attempt to corrupt the bloodline of the Messiah. That's talked about in Genesis 3. Because if he could corrupt the bloodline, the Messiah couldn't come. I believe this was his attempt to do that. So, at this point in time, there's only five giants left in the world. There's Goliath, there's Lefmi, Saf, Ishbi, Benob, whoever names the son that, please help them out. And then a nameless giant who had 12 fingers and 12 toes. That's a little weird. Um, and that's found in 2 Samuel 21 and 1 Chronicles 20. So it's foreshadowing that David is not only going to kill Goliath, but he's going to kill every single giant left. And he did. He eradicated the race of the giants from existence. So the five smooth stones represents the five giants that he would kill. Amen? See, God cares about the smallest details. To me, I'm just like, five stones? Yeah, well, in case he misses. No, 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 no. God was saying, no, I want you to get five stones because you're not just going to take out Goliath. You're going to take out the giants, and they will never exist, and my bloodline will not be tainted. Woo! And Jesus could come, and, the, and guess what? The bloodline came through David. The bloodline came through David. Not only was he a man after God's own heart, but he eradicated Satan's plan to corrupt the bloodline in the natural. Want to hear something else interesting? Okay, let's go to it. I didn't go to it in the first service. You guys, is this good? This good. Let's go to First Chronicles twenty. Let's, this is this is a uh, this is interesting here. First Chronicles twenty. I'm going off script here. I normally don't go off script, but this is super interesting. And in case some of you guys are like, eh, I don't know if I believe that. Well, that's okay. Um, Let's go to 1 Chronicles 20, and then um, verse 8 is the last verse of that. 1 Chronicles 20, verse 8. I did not give this one to you guys. I am so sorry. I repent. Um, 1 Chronicles 20, verse 8. And then um, right after this, we'll go into 21, just so you guys know. It said, these Philistines were descendants of the giants of Gath, but David and his warriors killed them. So that's saying... He killed all the giants. That's pretty cool. David's a beast, man. Come on now. He didn't just kill one giant. He killed five. Now look at 21. 21 verse 1. 
Satan rose up against Israel and caused David to take a census of the people of Israel. Satan was not happy. See, the thing is, is when you take out your giants, Satan isn't going to be happy. And you have to be ready for a counterattack. When you slay his spawn, so to speak, when you slay the thing he's sent to destroy you, it irritates him. But it doesn't matter how many giants he throws your way, you got victory over all of them through Christ Jesus. Amen? Like I said before, greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world. Don't be scared. Don't, don't fear, right? As the angel of the Lord constantly says in the Bible, fear not. Fear not. But let's trust God. Amen? Let's keep moving forward. All right. Did you guys enjoy that little side journey? All right. First Samuel, back to First Samuel 17. Verse 41, 1 Samuel 17, verse 41, we'll continue um, reading here. It says, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. <laughs> I don't know what a ruddy-faced boy looks like, but apparently that's what David looked like. Am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? Well, he did. And he cursed David by the names of his gods, you know, I love God. He, he taunts the enemy. You know, he's like, why? I'm going to show you today that I can beat you with a stick and a sling. And Goliath says, come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come at me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied said earlier that um, I noticed when I was reading this that it doesn't say shield. He never took his shield back from the armor bearer. Um, he was so confident, he was so cocky that he could take on David with sword, spear, and javelin, which, I mean, that's pretty, pretty logical, right? You know, a little human half your size comes at you with a, um, what does he have? A, sta a staff and a, I was going to say sword. No, he doesn't have a sword. A staff and a sling. I think sword, spear, and javelin's enough, but if he would have had the shield, he probably would have blocked the, the stone, and he didn't. All right, where am I at here? Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. A little graphic. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. Wow. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. This wasn't just for them. This was for the whole world to see that there is a real God, not little gods that, you know, we make gold out of. No, this is a, the real God, the God of Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. My fourth point in um, our giant slaying playbook is charge and don't look back charge and don't look back. As I was thinking about this point, um, I was thinking about what are things that would cause us to not charge how we're supposed to charge? What, would think, what are things that would cause us to hesitate? What would things that would cause us to stumble? The Bible says um, sin, right? Weights and sin will cause us to stumble, to, 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 to mess up. Sin will cause you to not be confident in who your God is because you do not feel that you deserve his help, because that you don't feel that you deserve his grace. 
Um, not asking for a show of hands. Oh, yes, I am. How many of you have ever felt so bad after you messed up that you do not deserve anything? So you don't deserve God. You don't deserve your family. You don't deserve, you know, the, it's, what's funny is Satan will tempt you so hard. He'll try so hard to tempt you to do the thing that uh, he knows you're going to really like. And then once you do it, he's right there to tell you how much of a failure you are. Come on. That's messed up. But he doesn't play fair, right? He doesn't, he doesn't care about you. So that's why it's so important that we stay away from sin. Paul says, don't allow your freedom to be an excuse to, to sin. Just because we are free in Christ Jesus, just because we have the blood of Jesus, doesn't mean we should go mess up and say, oh, the blood of Jesus covers me. Now, if we mess up, repent, right? Plead the blood, but don't keep living a life of sin because that will cause you to not be confident and charge at your giant or when the evil day comes. Guess what? The evil day is going to come. <laughs> How about an evil year, right? <laughs> 2020. Um, but if, if we're ready, it doesn't matter what comes. If we're ready, it doesn't matter how big the giant is, 9, 12, 13, 100 feet, I don't care how big the giant is. If I'm ready, if I'm confident in who my God is, if I'm confident in who he says I am, then I'll win. In, in Jesus' name, right? Yeah. Amen. All right, where am I at? All right, uh, charge and don't look back. Let's uh, finish up here. Let's go to verse 49, 1 Samuel 17 and 49. It said, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with a sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. Nice. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. I'm sure he was really embarrassed. Um, so David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, and he had no sword. Then, this is the part I want you to highlight. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they turned and ran. They're like, oh, this is not a good day. I want you to highlight that. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Number five, the last step of our giant slang playbook is finish the job. Finish him. Uh, finish him off. God, you know, have you ever asked how many... Um, how many times it seems like, you know, you get the victory over something, maybe you come on, you know, to the altar, get prayed for, you get healed, and then sometimes that thing tries to come back, maybe a couple months later down the line, and you can't seem to overcome it. Maybe, just maybe, you haven't picked up the sword after the stone was thrown. Maybe after the miracle happened, you didn't decide to pick up the sword. You know, God slayed Goliath with the stone, but David had to pick up the sword. David had to kill him. I always thought it was the stone that killed him. It was not the stone that killed him. He was still alive. But David had to pick up the sword and finish him off. And then for good measure, he cut off his head. So I'm guessing he stabbed him and then cut off his head. Like I said, David was a little, little aggressive, but, you know, we'll forgive him. So see, after the Lord has delivered you, it's your job to pick up the sword. What is the sword? The word, right? It's your job to pick up the word and speak it over your life. 
That's our sword, is the word of God coming out of our mouth. The Bible described Jesus in Revelation as having a sword coming out of his mouth. What does that mean? It's his word. His word is the sword. And when we speak his word, it's the sword coming out of our mouth that Satan cannot stop. Amen? And that's why it's also important that we live a changed life. You know, say you come up here and get healed of depression. Well, praise God, that's great, but say in a couple months you go back and hang out with people that caused you to be depressed. Is that God's fault? No. No, no, no. You, it's important that we don't become entangled again in a lifestyle that caused um, us to be in a rough place in the first place, right? Sickness. Um, say you've been delivered from you know, diabetes. It's probably a good thing to not go back and eat a bunch of sugar, right? And to eat right, to eat healthy. See, the thing is, is God established natural laws too, just how he established spiritual laws. So it's important that um, after the stone is thrown that we pick up the sword. So I just want to close with this, that it doesn't matter what the giant is. It doesn't matter what the giant is, what the giant looks like, how ugly the giant is, your God is bigger. And um, I, am, I implore you to, uh, if you're having confidence issues, to really examine yourself and to dig into the Bible of what it says of who you are in Christ. Because if you have an, an identity crisis issue, Bible's where to go. It tells you exactly who you are. And you need to keep reading it and you need to keep saying it until you believe it. That you are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. You are righteous like God because of Jesus. Hello. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. More than a conqueror. That means you can defeat a giant with a, a sling and a rock. That's all it takes. You are seated with heavenly places with him in Christ. So as Christ is seated, you're seated right there with him because of what he did. See, that's the powerful thing about the cross is that he traded places with you. He gave you his righteousness and, he, and you gave him your sin. Actually, he took it. He became it. Isn't that awesome? That's the God we serve. And, that's, and the more we dig into that and the more we realize that, the more it'll be easy for us to witness to other people about that. Why wouldn't we want other people to know about this stuff, right? About how big our God is, about how vast he is. And that's why it's so important that we keep slaying giants because every giant we slay is a testimony of the goodness of God. Nikki slayed a big giant. I, what was it called? That Crohn's disease, right? Quote, unquote, uncurable. Big giant. Nasty looking. Amen, right? Until one day she stepped into a service and we were singing the song, and I wasn't here for this. I only hear about the story. Until one day we were singing the song, I am free to run. I am free to dance. Well, that was the stone being thrown. And she ran. Impossible. That shouldn't have happened. No reason at all that that should have happened. But guess what? She's had to pick up the sword. She's got to keep staying in the word herself. She's got to keep re reminding herself who her God is. She has to keep um, speaking the word out because this, 
the the little the little serpent he doesn't he doesn't like defeat but the bible says if we submit ourselves to god resist the devil he will flee amen doesn't matter how many times he tries to come back we have the victory always through christ jesus amen thank you for listening to today's podcast for more information about this ministry visit faithheights.org You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.